2: Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel.
0: They O'Driscoll, Morgan. Extra man is Fitzgerald. Again,
2: for, for the second year in a row, my Christmas has been completely ruined with today's announcement that the Leinster Brunswick St. Stephen Day fixture and what's now become an annual occurrence has been scrapped due to COVID-19. Luke, it's a, it's a grim day. Uh, you know, it's our last show of the year. Happy Christmas. Well, a, a pre-Happy Christmas Christmas wish. Uh, happy um, happy for... Christmas
0: to you, Will. What a killer, Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
2: it's 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 grim. It's grim, grim times in the left wing podcast.
0: There's a lot of. I'm sure there's a lot of other rugby folk out there who are just as distraught about that as uh, as we are. Um, you're right. You always look forward to that fixture. Uh, it's either Stevens's or the 27, usually, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, bit of a bit, bit gutting, isn't it? Yeah, it feels like that. That feels like I like We all know all the all, the, um, all of the restrictions and all that stuff has been pretty disheartening, but. This one was like the nail on the coffin, a little bit, wasn't it, for, uh, for sport? And then all the soccer fixtures as well getting postponed. Ah, oh, it's a bit of a killer, yeah. So, look, yeah, yeah but, we're not leaving. High. On
2: I think last year the news came true on Christmas Eve. So, this is slightly less uh, devastating to get it at least two or three days before. Um, yeah. But we're going to be joined for the last show of the year in just a few minutes by Rory O'Connor. To go over, you know, what's been a very busy day between the the Leinster Munster news, some transfer news, Ulton Delane. Maybe talk a bit about Munster at the weekend, but also, you know, the Leinster game was cancelled, the Montpellier one, but Ulster had another good win there in a strong position too, from two and Connacht, you know, getting looking very close to pulling off an upset in that second half, but then ultimately running out of steam of it.
0: Yeah, they did. It was disappointing to see that from Connacht's perspective. Still think they were just a little leaky defensively, you know. Than they, you know, to get over to get to beat a top team, I think they have to be a little bit stingier there. But they look, they scrapped hard and, um, you know, they, uh, you know, they look, they came away with a bonus point. That's a tough place to go and, and, and do that over in Welford Road, you know. So I think they can be pleased with the performance over there. Still like them to win one or, one or two of them. To, you know, that takes it to the next level in terms of, of you as a team. But the bonus point was still excellent. Uh, Jack Carty, very good there, too. So he's, you know, putting his name is up in lights at the moment, really, isn't it? So um, yeah, that was good. And uh, yeah, look. The Ulster performance—they're still frustrating the life out of me. Well, they're still so inconsistent. Like there was times where they—you know—the lovely bit of rugby, and then you know, from a kickoff, someone would drop it or they give away a penalty or, like, like Harlequins were allowed to—or sorry, Northampton, excuse me—were allowed to stay in that game way too long. Like uh, the, the the amount of kickable penalties that they gave away, like it was so frustrating. Like to watch, like I, I I just don't know how Northampton were still like. Like, was it Furbank? It seemed to just be knocking them over from everywhere. But like, he was given silly opportunities, like, and they, and you know what? So even some of the tries, like the Crossfield kick, like what two was doing, (laughs) like that was a stinking mistake for the for the Gilroy try from the Crossfield. Like they, they kind of, I think if they look back at it, they'll say, "Mm, Jesus, there was lots of that that we'll be pretty, you know, happy they got the win, um, but I'd say disappointed with too. Like they were very sloppy. Can't do that against... A good team will punish you there. I think Northampton are only okay, to be honest with you.
2: Yeah, well, to, to be fair, Northampton did pick, like, a stronger team than people mm. probably had anticipated, given they were absolutely hosed week one. I know Dan Bigger you know, was injured. The yellow injured.
0: card will. The yellow card. Yeah. I, I know Dan McFarland kind of, everyone was laughing about what he said to, to Dricko, but Dricko was 100% right. Like, that guy was right in the passing channel. Now, he, he'd rather he still went and got great... That was, by no means was that uh, a you know, a... Uh, 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 penalty penalty try and he, like a yellow card was so harsh for that it was so harsh now maybe if he'd gone with two hands it was definitely not a yellow card but still it was that was there to be plucked and he was right there I thought that was really harsh that one you could see he wasn't reaching for that one Um, so I think they were lucky enough on that one well I don't I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too happy if I was Dan looking at that one
2: one player I'd like to get your opinion on before we bring in Rudd is James Hume. Uh, it was announced today he signed a new two-year deal. He, he's been really impressive over the last couple of weeks and some of those big victories we've been chatting about. Like, you know, what what have you made of his development?
0: Oh, he looks really good. I think he... I was talking to Tommy Bowe with him, uh, about him a couple of weeks ago. asking. I was like, well, look, what's he like pre-contact? Has he got a nice passing game? He showed a little bit of that in the weekend. That was good to see. That's the next part of his game because people will start figuring him out in terms of the footwork. And... um you know, I think the breaks will, people will start looking out for him now. He's caught the eye. So, um, still a bit of development to go in his game, but geez, he he looks like he's a, he's a real prospect, isn't he? And he's a big guy too, which I like himself. McCluskey are fairly formidable in there. nice partnership. Um, so yeah, really, really pleased to see him coming on. thought he was a little bit lucky with the chip through. Couldn't make sure I couldn't look like it was a bit of a skew, but it worked, I suppose. Everything's going for him at the moment. Um, but I really like his offloading game. He's able to do that because he's able to dominate contact because he's a big guy. Got the good footwork. So yeah, good question. Actually, I think he's a guy who it's got to be pushing hard for that Ireland place now, particularly with like Leinster lads not playing many games and um, you know him being on fire and all the big ones.
2: Yeah, it's funny with Hume like, and I to get your opinion on this one as well. Like, but when it comes to his Ireland chances. Obviously, it's a very congested, you know, field, given mm. you have like Gary Ringrose, Robbie Henshaw, Bunyaki, but not only are they good players, they're really big names as well. I mm. feel like sometimes it can be hard to dislodge like the big names from the team, like not so much the good players, but the really big stars like Ringrose, Henshaw and Bunyaki are like very big stars. They're not just really good players.
0: They're, You know what? They're both though, aren't they? Uh, no, they are, but I'm not saying they're not yeah, good they're players. Are, yeah,
2: no, but they are. I feel like to get ahead of one of those really big stars, you have to be playing like even better than yeah. like you would maybe to get ahead of a guy. You, you, you know, need a you bit of look sometimes to profile. too.
0: You need a bit of look. Like remember, Henchos just come back. He was the player of the Lions tour, for my mind. Um, you know, he's done it for a long time. Like even with Hume at the moment, like so. He's, so yes, I obviously look. He's a young player. You don't want to be, but like if he's looking at his game, he dropped a lot of ball on the weekend as well. Like, there was a lot. There was a lot of messy stuff too. Like, I think if you look at Aki, you look at Henshaw, Ringrose, they're probably just, they they look like they're a couple of years ahead of where he is in terms of making those errors. You know, those little things that you kind of, you kind of saw Keke doing it a couple of, you know, for, for for Munster, like some brilliant breaks, like amazing things. But then the guy behind him, you know, you know because he's still learning the game at the top level to a certain extent, you know, a guy knocks a ball out of his hand because he's not holding it in tight enough. And things you learn from playing a couple more years at the top. Um. Uh, Hume looks like he's right there, but the tidiness in the game to get you to to a Henshaw, to Aki, to those guys, that's still maybe just a a little bit off. But I think he'll get there. I think he will need a little bit of luck. He'll need someone to get injured. But with how combative it is in the centres nowadays, I think he'll get that. So um, I think we see him in an Ireland jersey pretty soon, I I think, actually.
2: Yeah, we'll see how he goes with some of the big Ulster games coming up over the next couple of weeks. If they go ahead, fingers crossed that they will. But for now, we'd like to be joined for the last left wing of 2021 by Rory O'Connor. Rory, how are you?
1: Good, thanks. Well, how are you guys?
2: Yeah, you know, thanks for coming on L- last show of the year. Good to have, good to have you on. As always, lots to get into. You know, a few hours ago, the the now annual Christmas bombshell around this fixture, Leinster Munster, was dropped. It's once again been postponed due to COVID. You know, by the time people listen to this tomorrow morning, it'll still be pretty fresh. Would you be able to maybe give us a state of play where we're at at the moment? You know, what what kind of the situation is for people who mightn't be on top of all the details
1: yeah i think it's a li- at least a little bit earlier this year from what i remember i was filing on this story at about like nine o'clock or eight o'clock on christmas eve last year or maybe even christmas day i can't remember so at least they've given us a bit of notice we can kind of come up with something else to watch on on stevens's day mrs brown's I, boys that's it yeah we might be stuck with that as a as i mean even the premier league is kind of starting to fall by the wayside it's all very grim at the moment um I mean, yeah, the, the, like I think everyone who who listens to the pod probably knows that Lancer have been in a bit of a of, of a state in the last two, you know, ten days with COVID. they had initially three cases, then it was four, then over the weekend, you know, I have a piece of tomorrow's paper kind of outlining how it all unfolded. They've been doing antigen tests every day, and pretty much been doing PCR tests every day. They reported another number of cases last week. The Montpellier uh, game obviously was was cancelled and they lost to 28 nil controversially and i'm sure we'll get to that at some stage they had a circuit breaker as soon as that news came through they basically sent everyone home from ucd they said lads look don't come in stay safe come back in on monday or tuesday uh, sorry today it was tuesday um and we'll go from there they came in today did their test and basically 30 more than 30 of the squads uh have either got covid or are close contacts um i think people forget that these lads a lot of them live with family you know whether it's their they're kind of their you know the younger guys sometimes live with their parents the older guys have kids in school they're in the community you know this guy's living with, with 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 housemates with girlfriends and just it's you know like every every walk of life at the moment you know it's spread throughout this squad over the last couple of days and and they basically they, they alerted urc urc said we can't go ahead and they've they've closed UCD again and they're not going to be in again until next Tuesday. So they're going home for Christmas. And the hope is that they'll come back in with enough players to be able to field the team against Ulster next week. But um, based on the way it's spread through the Ulster, the Leinster camp, my fear now is that by the time they get right, because Munster had their first day with a full training session today after their South African excursion. So by the time Leinster get right, someone else will be affected by it, it's just going to keep rolling because it's you know it, it's just rampant at the moment. So it's kind of grim, like, you know, even the fact that, the, that it was going to only 5,000 supporters at Thurman Park, whereas it sold it out. We, I think it's only, like, it's a month and 10 days or so since the All Blacks game in a full Aviva stadium, and we felt like we were over all of this, and we plunged right back into it. So, unfortunately it's not a, yeah, it's not an upbeat start to the show, and it's not a, you know, it's a big game falling by the wayside again for the second year in a row. It's fixture chaos. It's doubts about whether everything's able to go ahead in the, you know, in the next couple of weeks, and it's kind of all that stuff that we thought we'd maybe left behind a little bit, maybe naively, I don't know. But, uh, you know, we kind of felt we'd moved past it. I've kind of got used to being in full stadiums again.
2: Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? Like rerunning what we what we were going through last year. Because it's a funny one, like Irish rugby, to be fair, up to this point, you know, th- there hasn't been many instances like this where like there's been squad outbreaks or, you know, it, there's been knock-on effects across a number of weeks, like looking around the European... Rugby landscape in other leagues like France and England has been affected a number of different occasions in some high-profile instances. And now that's happening here, it, it is kind of like crazy how quickly you can snowball. You know, first the bath game, a couple of guys out. Then a match, obviously, as Rory said, in very controversial circumstances is postponed in Europe or cancelled in Europe, rather. And now this postponement, it can really kick off and it's, it's hard to get it back under control. Yeah,
0: it certainly is. I think, um, you know, I think we've, I suppose we've all been a bit you know, disheartened by kind of restrictions and that coming back in. But I think only in the last couple of days, you know, even in my own circle now, I'm there's a you know, close contacts, you know, next door neighbors have, you know, family. Like it just it's it it just seems to be really rife, you know, and really prevalent. Uh even looking at the the uh that app I know no one else no one uses it really, but like the the I I check in every day on it and the um I'm just looking at the amount of people in the last seven days, like who got tested and how high that positivity rate is, is like pretty grim. Like it's, I think it's over, it's closer to 16% of the people who are getting tested. And there's I think the last time I checked, it was over 200,000 people have been checked, you know? So that's pretty, um pretty grim reading, you know? So it's not, it's not surprising that we've had some kind of outbreak, particularly with the guys would be, you know, using gym equipment. Like there's only so care, you're going to be so careful. And as Rory mentioned, like, a lot of them are living together, which you probably didn't mention. Like that's that's kind of a, a thing where you could have three or four young lads living together. That's that's a big portion of the squad taken in already. So um, yeah, it looks so disappointing. Um, that's such a big fixture in the calendar, isn't it? It's probably one of the it's probably the standout fixture in the URC as it stands. Um, and yeah, like a bit gutted that it's that it's not there. I mean, I love watching that match. Is it 26th or 27th every year? Usually it is one of those dates, and um They've kind of, I think, it's come to a place where the fixture that, that they actually have to play their full teams, really, in those games where there was a couple of years where it was almost like a dead rubber for the team travelling. Um, so, yeah, no, it's a bit it's, it's disappointing, really disappointed, you know. I think, look, the, the Montpellier thing we, we should probably get into as well, but at the moment, that Munster one is probably the, sticking out as, as as being really disappointing, you know.
2: Yeah, just to circle back to the Montpellier thing, Rod. Like, I know there th- was like Leinster were planning on appealing it. Like, is, is that appeal now? Is that kind of fallen by the wayside with today's news, or what's your read on it?
1: Yeah, my, my sense was that you know today was supposed to be the Monday, or sorry, the Tuesday press conference ahead of the week, and I think Leo Cullen was going to come out quite strong um about it, but they canned that because of the cases. Um, they indicated over the weekend that they are questioning why they lost the game twenty eight 0 when the games between French and English uh, opposition that got postponed the day later are being postponed and will be played and why, you know, they're being treated differently to them, especially because Montpellier had five cases in their ranks. Uh, The, I think the news today kind of indicates the EPCR decision to say it was too risky for Leinster to travel, um, probably weakens their position. I don't know, like, I'm quite a... Wary of weaponizing, you know, outbreaks and COVID and stuff of like this. I mean, it's you know when you declare a game twenty-eight nil, you, I suppose you do. You, you, almost they say they're not apportioning blame, but you are saying that you know one team has brought the fixture down rather than another. Otherwise, it will be an nil-all draw. Um, but I think Leinster, like Leinster, cancelled their flight. They were supposed to fly on Thursday. On the Wednesday, I got word that they cancelled that flight. They were very worried about having to leave players behind in France. So if they got to France and a player reported symptoms would they be allowed to fly that player home? And I'm not sure they ever got full clarity on that. They did have HEC approval to travel, but they wanted, I think, guarantees that they could come back. And, I, like you know, you don't want to speculate about things like this too much. But, like, that EPCR committee that made the decision is made up of medical doctors and a, an independent virologist. Now, the you know, you could always come back to the fact that they had a HEC letter saying these 40 people are allowed to travel to France and return. But I think there's a risk that, you know, someone someone gets left behind and it's Christmas and that's a big part part of why the English sorry the French teams didn't want to go to England last weekend and kind of were happy enough to to, to have those games postponed at the time I mean we got to remember that Leinster won a quarter won a last 16 game against Toulon because Toulon had a positive case and didn't really kick up much of a fuss on Toulon's account at the time which you can understand so there is this kind of precedent of games being declared on one one side or another at the time when it was announced i didn't really have a problem with it the committee uh, had their say but once they started saying that other games could be postponed um i thought it was a bit unfair um and scarlet's in particular because the scarlet's and munster and cardiff were forced to play well two of them were forced to play and one one did forfeit a game after they'd been stuck in south africa through no fault of their own you know and Scarlets had to forfeit a game, and a week later restrictions are brought in, and those games are postponed. That's really unfair on them. There's an argument that Leinster have been very hard done by. I don't think it's going to matter in the end. I think they're going to can the pool stages, and it's going to be basically straight knockout in April. Because if you think we're getting through January without any more games being being postponed or called off, I mean it's just very hard to see from here. So it may all be uh, up in, you know but you know redundant by by then. But I think according to the tournament guidelines the Lens are I'm not sure they have much of a, a case really even though it does look very unfair from here
2: yeah when you're thinking of like tournament bylaws I'm seeing that video and someone's like read the standing orders I don't know <laughs> people have been sharing it around recently of uh read the or standing orders like, what's your take on, on it all obviously you know, road kind of outlined it in good detail there mm. like you know various teams being affected in various ways like what's your position on it?
0: They didn't want the competition disarray with postponed fixtures, they've now had to do that anyway. So, to my mind, it kind of makes sense. for I mean, look, it, whatever they do, like Lencer shouldn't be penalized for this at this point. It may, it might not matter in whatever guys the competition takes once things resume. But I don't know, it's I just feel like it was one of those ones where a little bit of common sense probably should have prevailed because there was certainly enough evidence to say that Lencer, you know, should have traveled and were cleared to play the game, they had tested fairly. Like done a lot of lot of significant, uh, you know, kind of testing. Had been cleared by a lot of doctors at HSC as well. So um, I'd say they're well within their rights to um, go and argue that case. And I think um, common sense should probably prevail and say, listen, like we have postponed fixtures already. Um, You know, we didn't. We had. We didn't know this information. We didn't really have as as much information as we do now. The days later. And uh, let's go back and just say, listen, that's let's postpone that fixture along with those other ones. It, it, that makes sense to me. But like, oh, I, I don't know whether that's a, 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 like a Leinster bias in there. I mean, I'm sure there is a bit in there. I, I genuinely tried to look at it, um, you know, as plainly and as, as without bias as possible. I just feel I, I felt like it really kind of took away from the competition a bit. And, and And the key point for me was that, you know, Montpellier had five cases themselves as well. Um, and given how uh, infectious we know this is or how transmittable it is you know we have you know that could easily have turned into 30 cases um for for them today as well or yesterday as well so like i think we can't really look at it and, and go well look the, the the decisions justified in hindsight because that could be the it could have been the same case for, for Montpellier given their cases
1: too i think also like you, you know take it away from leinster like munster it, it's grand because they got a bonus point win against wasps But Munster were forced to play against Wasps without 34 members of their first-team squad. And, you know, again, like the Scarlets, who were ruled out through no fault of their own, if they'd lost to Wasps, you know, a 5-0, lost to Wasps that day, which was not beyond the realms of possibility going over there. And then a week later, all the French and English teams had their games postponed rather than, you know, forced to play them because of travel restrictions. Again, that's not consistent. You know, that it, all we're asking for is consistency. If every if every game is declared twenty-eight nil, if the committee decided and we, we trust the committee, fair enough. But then he can't change it a day later. Like I, I think that's the where the, the mm. consistency part is, and it's because it's the English and the French are the two more powerful leagues, I think. And 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 they got that. I mean, who knows when they're going to refix these games? I think we're going to lose the, one of the legs from round sixteen if that's the case, but. As I said before, I like I just can't see January progressing without more cancellations. I think the table's going to be completely skewed. And eventually they're going to go, look, we can't we can't have this pool stage affected this much by COVID. Let's just run off let's have a you know the bottom eight seeds play each other in around the 24 in the weekend where the round of 16 first leg was, yeah. then around the 16, straight knockout, around the 16, last eight, semi final, final, bit like we did last year. And that's probably the fairest way of going about it because at the moment, teams are being punished for for a virus getting into their camps through no photo own. Because whatever been international teams who you can lock away in a hotel, you cannot bubble up club teams. It's impossible. It's not, hmm. it's just not fair on the players.
0: There's kids, there's people going home to kids who are in school. There's all, you know what I mean? There's loads of things that you just can't, they're out of your control. So I think, um, yeah, that's a great point uh, Rudds, you know so look it's uh, we, we wait and see like maybe they will revisit that, that that decision and say you know what that that's probably not right in in uh when we kind of look back at it um yeah so we wait and see on that one
1: yeah oh, I, sorry be... by the
0: way i know i i met uh i can't say who but in literally in the spar shop around the corner and uh fr- from the from the house the day after and i was kind of I shouted across the shop going what's the crack i presume you're appealing that. And he was absolutely, he was sure they were going to do it, yeah, that they absolutely, and this, they're in the know, uh, the, this guy is, and he was saying they're definitely appealing it. So that's in place. And I'd say they're going to go pretty strongly with it, despite the breakout of, of cases. I don't think that's, given the information they had at the time, I don't
2: think it's justification. Um, it's very flip-floppy, I think. I hope you weren't too close to this unnamed Leinster player. He might have done No, I wasn't. He, so was actually, in the room, name, say. he was actually
0: in the coffee area of the shop. I was leaving the shop. I, I shouted across. Um, <laughs> yeah, so very disappointing for them, anyway. You know.
2: Yeah, to, to move back to on-field stuff, you know, you mentioned Munster. There, they were one of the Irish teams that got to play over the weekend. Cast off the Wasps game obviously was so positive. You know, there was a cha- changed team. They didn't really, they didn't really fire. Still in a very strong position, obviously, as you mentioned. There, we don't know what guys the tournament will take, but going off what we can go off, two wins from two. What did you make of, of the performance against Cast?
1: I mean, how many games were canceled last weekend? And I think we, we all wish we could swap one of the games that was canceled for the Munster cast and and get that 80 minutes of our lives back. It was absolutely atrocious stuff. Um, It's a win. It's, you know, I I think you got to take into account the fact that a lot of the players were back after, you know, isolation at the, The build up, you know, the the team against Wasps had had two weeks together under Ian Costello and had run together consistently every day for that period. Whereas this team didn't have as much preparation, and like Luke, I presume played against Cast a couple of times. I'm pretty sure I was at a couple of games against Cast. I mean, they're an awful team to play against. In fact, I think you you, we did you play in Dupont's debut? Lencer played uh, Cast in around 2015 or 16. It was Dupont's senior debut. Um, over there, I don't know, maybe.
0: Don't know if yeah, i played against him. Yeah, no, I, I would have played over there. a Good few I played
1: in there.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, do we play? did we have a draw in the?
1: I think the draw I guess, was like, Dupont's I debut. Or... In the
0: center in that game. Yeah, so it's a, it is. It's a dreary you no know, place. To go. I played. I, I think I played them three or four times in the group stages. Yeah. Um, sticky pitch uh, over there. They're kind of. They had a huge pack. They had a few very good players like Cockett and these guys who were like. Remember, like at the height of his powers, he was unbelievable. Um, so like they were kind of tricky opposition they had a yeah. few great centers i remember as well like they're
1: lamora yeah
0: Lamarat, sorry and yeah. he went on to claremont i think but yeah it was um yeah i, I don't know they're kind of a, a tricky team to play against and you could yeah. kind of see that once you're like you have to break every time we played well against them we were fairly tight and cohesive and we didn't play loose and we didn't go for the juggler too quick we were happy to hang on to the ball for long periods. They were kind of loose and gave away a lot of penalties too. So you could kind of build scoreboard pressure against them. They lose interest, et cetera, et cetera. And um, probably didn't see that on the weekend. You know, for various reasons why Munster didn't fire. But I think they looked like they were trying a bit too hard too early, if, if you know what I mean. Um, and I think that it can make it really messy then. If you give them an in, they think they might have a chance. And I, I, that, that's my view on it anyway. I haven't looked at it. They were bloody lucky. Healy had his kicking boots on for the most part and got them
1: to the win. Yeah, they're just yeah, I I I think you give up you almost give Munster a pass. I mean you could make you know you could be cruel and say that Van Grand comes back in and they play like that and it's back to box kicking and it's boring and it's like God it'd be better off without him. But I do think the circumstances do play a role in it to some degree. I, you know you don't give them a complete pass, but you know they got a win. They got nine points from two games in the circumstances of which at one stage you know most of their squad was in South Africa in a hotel room that's not a bad return. Um for them, and at the end of it, you know, whenever they put together their end of season highlights reel, it won't feature. But it's still an important step on the ladder on on the, on their journey. I don't know. You wouldn't go back in them for the Heineken Cup based on that performance. But at the same time, they they they. If got they were looking at those. that rules
0: I'd say they would have. They if they looked at those two games, they would have said six points would be a great result. Like a and you know, an away bonus point loss to to Wasps, given where the squad was at. To come out of it with nine is is very good, I think. I I mean I think they'll they'll they'd have bitten your hand off for that if you if you you know offered them that two weeks ago. Yeah? I think so.
2: Yeah. Rod, one thing I would like to get your opinion on, and Kane was writing about it in today's paper, was you know, obviously with the coaching announcement last week, not only is Van Grand leaving but going to Bath um that like the, the danger of like a lame duck coach and the whole coaching staff leaving the end of the season that potentially the momentum or the the urgency kind of peter's out a bit, little bit and it does isn't have that same kind of drive you would have if you know everyone's on the same page and building a, a kind of a long-term project together like do, do you buy into that or do you think there's a danger of that happening that the, with, with this announcement that things could peter out a bit
1: it's one of those things that, like, when you're on the outside, it's very hard to understand why that would happen because it's a short career and you have this squad for this season and you go, you should go hell for letter till the end of the year to, to get, you know, to meet your goals. But obviously, it's a more human element than that. And and I suppose you got, you got to go in every day and listen to this guy talk to you. And, and when he's trying to sell you some sort of dream or some vision, you're looking at him going, well, you're, you know, you don't obviously believe in it because you're gone at the end of the season. And, you know, especially because he was, he had signed a two year extension and then changed his mind. Um, and he's gone to the bottom like you know you've got to be wondering if you're in that Munster squad you're looking at Bath and you're going like they they haven't won a game this season and you're leaving them you know, you're leaving us for them like that's you know, like we saw how ragged they were against Leinster so um, yeah I think it's definitely a factor but you, that's when the senior players like the, your O'Mahony's, your Murrays these guys who haven't really won anything for their club now Murray was there in 11 and, and Keith Earls you know was, was, on, was on the bench in, in 08 but it's been it's it, it'll be eleven years by the time the season's over. Um, they couldn't do it for C D Standard last year. They beat Leinster and then gave up on the Rainbow Cup for some reason. You know they had this. You know they had CJ Standard and Billy, Billy Holland retiring. They had the Rainbow Cup in their hands, and they somehow allowed that to slip. So, you know, you would question whether the the senior players have it within them to kind of hold it all together. But like, they've got to at this stage of their careers be going. This is a chance now. Like you know if they top their group, if the Pools go on as they are and they top it, then they'll be in, you know, Thoman Park for the last 16 in the final. Then probably the Aviva for the semifinal. And that's, you know, then you go to Marseille with a shot to nothing. You know, you, they're, they're one of the best teams in the URC. They've already beaten Leinster in the calendar year. Leinster are, you know, are, are in disarray a little bit because, like, they haven't been able to get the same team on the pitch. This surely is the opportunity to knock them off at some stage this season. So, I mean, like, it shouldn't be a factor, I think, if you're talking about professionals and you're looking at it from the outside. But I think knowing dressing rooms and knowing players that, you know, if you're out, if you're out of contract end of the season, like who's making that decision? Who's who's telling you you're staying or you're going, or who's making that offer? You know, is he tapping lads up to go to bat? I mean, like, you know, it wouldn't be unheard of that a coach would say to to someone, you know, um, I want you over here next season. You know, like, there's a lot, lot of different, um, and that, that's just reality of it. Like, you know, surely some of his mind is is slipping towards um the next job as well and I'm kind of starting to think about you know when does he do his analysis of bath and all that sort of stuff as well. Like, there's loads of play, you know. So yeah. um like Luke's been in the dressing rooms. He's you know you know you've been a uh, period. I mean Joe's last season you knew he was going but he still delivered a double of the challenge cup and the and the the, the 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 whatever it was called and the man was actually team. injured.
0: Yeah but yeah uh, you're right. I think 12. like I think the coach will drive that too um you know and I think um you know, they wanted to keep him. So he, like, they, they must have asked the senior players whether they thought he was doing a good job or there must have been some feedback there. So, like, he clearly is a good guy. He clearly has the respect of the team. Uh, It'll be on him now to really drive the standards uh for, for the rest of the season. Like, I think, yes, of course, the senior players, but players will do what players will do. I, I think, you know, the coach is the person who should be, you know, gives you a consistency week in, week out. Um you know, and sorry, in that vein, I'm not actually sure he's the right guy to lead them forward anyway. And I think it might be the best for everyone that he's that he's moving on and they, they go somewhere else. Um, but that's probably not what we're talking about now. I think uh yeah, it looked certainly a combination of it, but he was definitely the right man a couple of months ago, um, or they thought he was at least. Um, so I think, yeah, look, there's probably an opportunity might present themselves or present itself now with a few of these fixtures kind of being thrown up in the air for them to go far in one of these competitions and eventually win something. Um, you know, I thought Snyman might have been a bit of a key guy for this group going forward to be successful. I think he's still a big loss. Carberry, yeah, look, I think he looked like he was coming into a bit of form in there, didn't he? Uh, and that's a big loss for them. But, like, there's still a like, good enough quality there, I think, to, to drag this team to those qualification are they kind of deep enough in the competition where you know you'd hope you might get a joey carberry back at that stage and maybe the team looks a bit more settled and they can see a path towards or there's they kind of feel like they're maybe close enough to getting that that bit of silverware and maybe Van grand then can can drag them over the line um and, and kind of have a little bit of a farewell uh with the with the trophy in the cabinet but I don't know. I still feel like they're a little bit away from that. I think they're still the consistency from, you know, is probably lacking a little bit. Um, And I'm not sure if some of their talismanic guys, while they're good, you know, I think we saw some class performances last week against Wasps, but I'm not sure if they're slightly past their best. Um, so I'm I I don't know I think they I thought Steinman was a key piece for them in the puzzle and I think he's actually that might stop them going a little bit further versus the coaching ticket who I think should be able to you know rouse the group and get them all moving in the same direction.
2: Yeah, well, one thing I'd say, Johann McGrath is delighted with is that the relegation has been paused this it's year. Give it up, Pat Lamb. When Pat Lamb agreed his big money move to Bristol, by the time he had arrived, they'd been relegated, so he had to start uh, rodding away. I think in, in the opening game, rather than in Welford Road or somewhere like that. Look, Rudd, how important is it that Munster, you know, we, we were talking with Keane last week, you know, talking with the various candidates like, you know, O'Gara, who's since threw himself out and other guys, but how quickly is it that they get, or how vital is it they get someone quickly in the sense of, as you say, the, the planning for next year, the, the, the upheaval around, you know, the South African guys being out of contract, you know, the big names and stuff like that, that they actually nail down who that person is so that guy can go about his business and maybe put some structure on what the squad could look like next year.
1: Well, I think is, is the most important thing for Munster is that they get the structure right and don't just go out and get a name necessarily. They go out and get, like, I think they need a director of Ruby. They need, you know, a guy be, slash Leo Cullen in the Leinster kind of mold, a, a Brin Cunningham up in Ulster, someone who's going to be there for the next 10, 10 years, regardless of who's the, the coach, and will have an influence on selection, but also be looking at the overall strategy, the way the team plays, and recruitment and things like that. They've missed that. They brought Razi Rasmus in. Above Anthony Foley with that remit. And then when Anthony Foley tragically passed away, Erasmus became more of a training ground figure. But the plan was if he had stayed and not come back to South Africa, that he would have reverted back to being the director of rugby, that they would have had a head coach. They replaced Erasmus with Van Gran, who was very much a tracksuit um coach. You know, he he was he's an on field, he's a former analyst, he's you know, he'd never been a head coach before, so he wasn't gonna be a DOR. And the talk this week has been that Declan Kidney has been lined up for that role. And he's done that job in London Irish for the last four or five years. You know, he's guided them back from the championship. He's built the squad. Um slowly but surely. They're having a decent season this year. You know, it's you know, it's been very slow, it's been very progressive. But I don't think anyone knows Munster Rugby better than than Declan Kidney, who could you see that good.
2: happening, Road? I saw that report as well and I thought it, it seemed very much out of left field. Like I know he like as you say been in London Irish for a couple of years, but it's never even crossed my mind that he would be in the frame to come back to Munster.
1: I think it's the most obvious uh, appointment going. Like he's he was never a track suit coach and I mean Luca talked to the way he managed Ireland when he was when he was involved but you know he brought in Gert Small and 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 Les Kiss to run the team and he made strategic decisions. I mean he's I think he's done quite a good job at London Irish he, like he's won two handing cups at Munster like all of their success all of their great days came under kidney and he's gone to the Premiership. He's accumulated five years of, of huge experience. He's also had the disappointment of the way Ireland finished and the success that he won a Grand Slam, you know, we, we have to remember. And, you know, he wouldn't be that day-to-day on-pitch coach. He wouldn't be the guy who's putting together the game plan to beat the Ospreys this week and then Leinster the following week. He'd be the cultural architect. He'd be going out doing signings. He's got experience. He, you know, he knows all the agents now. He, he's, he's been doing that side of things for a couple of years. And Then you go and you try and recruit, say, a Mike Prendergast back from Racing to kind of run the attack. And then you go and get someone, say, from New Zealand. And he, like, because I don't need to go and get Scott Robertson, whose name has been floating around, but I just don't see that. You know, he I think he's beyond where they are at the moment, but he knows the place so well. I'm not like, I I, I don't think it's beyond, I, I think it's, it's more sensible than going out and getting another South African. I think, you know, he is of Munster, he is Mr. Munster, and I think. You know, there are senior players who are going to be retiring in the next couple of years. While there's a great crop of young guys coming through, they still need to maintain what it is that they are. I think it makes an awful lot of sense to to have someone like that um, in that role. And then you build a coaching ticket of the best available candidates beneath that. But you let him be the figurehead, go off and do the signings, build a squad. And then in two or year, three years' time, if your head coach decides he's going to go to Bath, well, then Deck and Kidney and David Nusifor work together to, to get a replacement. Also, he's experienced enough to tell the RFU where to go when they want, when they want what they want, which I don't think that Van Graham has ever been. And I think you have to have... I think Leo Cullen tells David Sephora where to go when he, when he pushes them too far. I'm sure there's others within Irish rugby who do that. But I don't think Munster... I think Munster have, have played the RFU thing well in terms of getting signings in, but they've been happy to play ball as well. And I think you have to be able to stand up to the RFU at times as well and fight your corner. And I think Kidney will be well capable. He's politically uh, experienced in that way.
2: What do you make of that, Luke? You know, is that is that kind of what I wrote his outline there? That structure, something you think would work? And um, with Declan Kidney as as, as that top guy? Uh,
0: yeah, it makes sense to me when you say it that way. I think um, I'm, I, I can't make up my mind whether it's a step backwards or forwards. Uh, I will say some of Declan's stuff is fairly inspired. Like he would have seen Conor Murray miles away when no one else would have really picked him the timing was wrong when he brought him in, but he, look, he proved to be right, you know, probably four years later. Um, so like, like he is, he does have a talent for some of that and they have some young talent, as Rudd said, he could be a good guy for that and nurturing that. He is a local guy. He has the respect locally. Like they're, they're big things, you know, and I feel like Munster maybe the last couple of years um, have maybe gone away a bit from that and maybe gone away from their own crop. Like the real strength of Munster always was their core from home. Uh, and I think if you look at them now, um you know there's a lot of foreign coaches a lot of ideas that aren't really you know just not sure it's them um I think they lack maybe a little bit of identity sometimes um and cohesiveness in terms of their thinking and what they're trying to do and what team they think they are like what their strengths are I don't think and, and, and sorry to, to circle back to kidney he can he's really good at those things I think I think like I, I've never like, technically you know he's not going to impress you in terms of his rugby, like you know, going through you know t- skills or going through a game plan, well, he, he never impressed me at that. But I think what he was good at was getting the pulse of the team and figuring out what what you're good at and what you're bad at, and figuring out sometimes what the opposition were good at and bad at. And then he picked really good coaches to coach the team the way he wanted. And uh, there's real skills in that, you know, and that could give them that little bit of consistency that I think they've lacked. Um, but I just can't. I still can't make up my mind, knowing him that it, you know whether he's a step forward or a step back, and whether the game has moved on or not. Um, I'd be worried if he was the guy giving tactical direction to the team. But I'd be okay with him probably picking the coaches.
1: Yeah, I don't think he'd ever be. I don't think he put himself in that position. I don't think anymore because I think he's done that job that the role with London Irish, and it was an interesting yeah, yeah, move yeah. when he went and did it. Like, you know, you wonder why did he go to London Irish when he did? You know, he had he was director of sport in UCC. You know, he was living at home. He, he had his, but he wanted to get back into the game. He went to a big club. He obviously, you know, has, it's a big club, but it was, it was in the championship at the time. He built, built them up. I'm not saying he's shot the lights out over there, but I think often we, we think of Kidney and we think of that last year, you know, from, maybe from the quarter final in 2011 onwards, certainly the 60 nil onwards, when he made a lot of bad mistakes, you know, picking Jackson ahead of O'Gara and Murrayfield, you know, even like just a, a series of kind of, bad mistakes that it that over the course of that year and it definitely colored the way people look at him as Ireland coach and you know that's that's our last reference point he kind of disappeared from Irish rugby after that we don't see you know well I know we will watch a lot of premiership but like your your average rugby fan doesn't really see a lot of London Irish at the moment and and by all accounts they're, they're playing some good I've sport, heard mixed is... stuff
0: from inside the camp there. Yeah yeah okay, that's interesting yeah kind of similar stuff to what you would like kind of look he can be a frustrating guy to work with at times like he can be um I'm sure it's no secret. Like he can be a little bit odd sometimes with kind of selections and like how he treats you, uh, in terms of when you're, when he's dropping you like, we, like he's, he can be a little bit odd sometimes. I think, um, you know, that might be a harsh thing to say, but I think he probably isn't an, an odd enough personality. Um, and I think that can be frustrating for people to work with on a daily basis. Um, you know, and then as well, like some of the coaches, some of the, the interviews, like that got tar- that got tiring fairly quick. Like, the thing I'm too cute to give the media an answer like that actually ended up backfiring on them for, for a while, you know, um, you know, and I think there are some things to him that I'm not sure is a step forward for Munster, you know, and I think there probably is people out there that that could do a good job for them. Like it's still a brilliant club. Like it's a huge club. Like someone should be able to drag a, a trophy out of Munster. Like there's no way you could tell me that there's not enough quality there for them to do that. Um, and, um, yeah, it's kind of been disappointing to see them kind of just being, you know, there or thereabouts, but like never really look like, geez, clear cut, like a, like a winning team for so long now with so much quality there. And they've spent money on, like, they have had big players there too. So um, yeah, like that, that, that's got to have been frustrating for Munster fans. I, fi- I find them frustrating to watch sometimes as well. Uh, so look, we wait and see on, on who they pick. It's an interesting call rules and I could definitely see them going local with someone like Kidney. I, I could definitely see that.
2: Um, yeah, the De- the Declan-Kiddy thing is very interesting discussion. I'm interested to hear both of your opinions there. And the one thing I'd say about London Irish, you know, having watched them is the, t- the two things that does stand out about them is two things I think Munster fans would, would really like to see in this day and age. And that is, they play really good attacking rugby and their young players have been playing really well since Declan-Kiddy came in. He's brought in a number of young guys like Ollie Hassel Collins in the background is one guy who's been really sh- shooting the lights out. So, there are two things, I suppose, that if, if that was brought into Munster in this next phase, I think people would will be will be pretty pleased across the board. He's difficult um, to work with, though, Will. Yeah, but as Rudd said, with this this role maybe will be slightly different again. He will be maybe more removed from the day-to-day on pitch training, and it will be, as Rudd said, someone who would be there when the next coach comes in, and the coach after that, depending, he could be in a, a slightly different position than what he might have been operating I in I think Munster
0: need to win. I think Munster need to win more than good rugby. I think they need to win they need to win something like it's been it's that's 11 years Is a, like that's a long barren period like i, I think they i think they need to get their priorities right i think they need to win
1: but and i know it's a long time ago but like the last time they won he was the he was the guy in charge like i think people have almost forgotten like the, how successful he was during that period i know the game has moved on Such a good team like
0: that was an incredible
1: crop of players like it was yeah but someone's got to put pull, pull it all together into one place i if you look at the list, ah, of but like team. what?
2: Come on, like good coaches have good, like, you know. Joe Schmidt had an unbelievable team. I doesn't, you know what, like. But Checker didn't. Check is a
0: great, like Checker didn't have a great, uh, great. He's a, like he could be. A, would, would I wonder? Would he go? Like he, he, he can drag things that's out a, of the team. That's a shout. Like he is, like if for for a club like Czech, be
2: unbelievable. I think he'd never
0: go. I think he still he like you know he loves Leinster, but that guy did not have a good team. There's a, there's a guy. There's a guy who didn't have a good team. Like, you know. That pack, he completely, no, I'm telling you now, that was not, no. when I got there. Oh, the, pack, yeah,
2: the pack, I'll give you the
0: pack, to be fair. But the pack is, the, the pack is everything. The pack is, it like, the pack's the win. Yeah. Like, I don't know, that's a guy who who did, that like, you don't tell, like, your man got in off the back of, like, that was an, all that, like, hurt for years. Basically, the full Irish pack and the 9 and 10.
1: Don't get me started, please. But I,
0: think I was the luckiest think what ever, like, timing-wise.
1: I think Munster aren't playing to their strengths, right? Like, so Munster needs someone that's going to come in and, and assess the squad properly and not play a South African style of rugby without a South African type five because they don't have a tight five capable of dominating teams in the way. They don't have a bomb squad coming off. Unless there's some gems in the academy that we haven't seen fully emerge after, unless Keenan Knox is finally going to you know, going to live up to the name of the guy they recruited out the South African schools and dominate, we haven't seen that yet. Like John Ryan and Stephen Archer are getting on in years the hookers they have are not. You know, they don't have Roland Kelleher and Dan Sheehan. I really like Scott Buckley. I think like you know he could be that model. But like they need to rather than sign a big South African, a lot of two big South African second rows, they should have signed a hooker. You know they should have been like, going after Malcolm Marx for you know full bore. Like did they need them? Like the Atlanta is great, but did they need him? Like they needed a they needed a, a tight head prop of, of world class. You know they need someone who's going to come in. And I'm not saying it's going to be Kidney. Like Kidney just you know he's the guy that's been named, and and you know I believe they have been talking to him. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think, you know, we, we've, we've hashed out Kidney, but I think what they need is someone who's going to come in and go, I mean, what is the way that this, what's what's the strength of this team? The strength is in the, the back row and the back line. Their type five is not where they're, they're strongest. They've a decent, okay, a strong URC type five. When it gets to the elite end of Europe, like they don't have the, the ball carriers that are going to get you there. And they put all their money into two sorry three South African overseas recruits who, you know, one's been injured, really unfortunate. The other one we have, you know, made his debut at the weekend, and and, and then the eleven has been a good signing. But they have Chris Farrell; they already have an enormous center. Like you know, the, 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 they, you know, I, I just think that they need to, if they're going to go with kind of a you know winning collisions, big tight five, they needed to invest in, in a hooker or and a big tight head, and, and they didn't really do that. So, um, like someone needs to be making those like really strategic decisions based on all of that, and I'm not sure they've been as clever as they want to be i think they benefit more from playing a new zealand style of rugby than a south african style of rugby with the players they have because they've got very good top of the ground players who are athletically gifted and they've got skillful backs um like jason holland will be really interesting but he's under contract Prendergast is under contract O'Gara's is under contract now maybe one of them will come maybe there's a six-month break clause like the RFU one that they can trigger somewhere along the way but you know we're not aware of that right now so um I I think it would be fascinating, but I think it does need someone to come in who's going to provide that stability that you know coaches will go, especially non-homegrown coaches, they'll leave. You want someone who's from the area who understands it, who's willing to put down roots, and who who can then make strategic decisions over a long period of time and be there to f- fulfill those strategic decisions. Yeah, it's certainly an Second interesting. That would be great for the media.
2: Yeah. Oh God, it would be hilarious. Uh, just to move on to on-pitch stuff again or kind of player news. Ulton De land today, Luke, it was announced that he'll be leaving Conk oh. to the end of the season. I think he's been linked with La Rochelle, potentially linking up with Ronald O'Gara. I think Rasting has been another club he's been linked with. <coughs> Excuse me, but it's been a topic we've covered a good bit. The, the, the kind of, that middle cohort of Irish rugby where like just under the top players, what they'll do at the end of the year. There's so many guys probably up in the air as well. He's the first one we've seen who's been tempted to move away. Like, what do you make of his move and, and do you think we will see a few more guys, maybe you know, up for the same thing.
0: Yeah, look, I wouldn't be surprised, particularly now. Like, I wonder will the squeeze come on if there's a lot of fixtures that are cancelled and and um, you know, particularly the like Six Nations now looks like you know, wouldn't be surprised if there's a, if there's a few uh, games played without any any supporters. You know, so um, very worrying times for them. I was really really surprised at that Delan when I just kind of thought at this part of his career, he's still close enough to the Irish team. Um, you know, I think, you know, Henderson's injured a lot. You know, Ryan has has been injured a bit as well. Like, I, I was kind of surprised. I thought, like, oh, there's he if he's like in Connacht are playing well, it just seems like a weird time for him to go. Um, but yeah, like, you know, could be a money thing. Uh, you know, they might be playing hardball with a few people that they think are are on the edge and won't move. And this is one that's gone wrong
2: because he seems like a fairly key guy for for Connacht. You know, um. Can I ask you something, Luke? Does a, as a for, as a player, you know, is it more attractive to play for an Irish province and be fighting for, say, an Irish squad place, but, you know, may, possibly not breaking into the team or to go to La Rochelle or to Racing and play for one of the best clubs in Europe? I, I would, I like, like, Utengolans' Ireland career over the last number of years, he's got a few caps, but, like, is that enough to keep... Is, is that really that... Sorry, sort of no, I thing? think you're right. I,
0: I think if he looked at it with a... With a a cold eye he probably would have said i'm not sure that is there 30 caps in this for me for the rest of my career um Mm -hmm. and by the way they're gonna these guys are gonna pay you an extra 50 or 100 grand a year um you know they're all things that you probably consider in his position and yeah like it's a a tricky it's a tricky thing to consider because you're like your, your aim has always been for 10 whatever 10 years he's been a pro is it um his aim has always been to get in that Irish team and he's right. Like he's close. Like, isn't he? He is close. Like it's Henderson probably. And, uh, you know, burn has probably leapfrogged him a little bit, but I still think he's more a six at international level anyway. And then, uh, Ryan is probably, you know, ahead of him too, if fit, but if fit is a big, is it like, that's a big question you'd ask about Henderson and and Ryan. So, um, now Baird might've leapfrogged him as well, but I think that's a pretty close one too. I think Baird might be kind of a hybrid, uh, second row as well. So, um, it, it shocked me that news really shocked me today i was as as much as i was disappointed with the leinster uh the leinster Munster fixture that one really caught my eye as well I was, that's like he's kind of talismanic for them a bit i think then in, in the sports ground and has been a brilliant player for them particularly now they've gone back to that kind of more expansive game plan i think as well that really suits him like he's a real um real athletic second row but he's also a pure second row which to, to, to go into my earlier point um about the other guys being a bit hybridy for the Irish team. So, yeah, look, surprising. And I'd say very disappointing down in the sports crowd. I'd say they're, they're gutted to see him go.
2: Yeah, Rod, it's a funny one. Like, you know, Luke said, because I, I, I wasn't surprised at all when I saw it purely because the point I was making there that, like, it, like, the opportunity to play for one of the best club teams in, in Europe, you know, a, a, big, a big, you know, star-studded franchise in France, I think is massively attractive versus, you know, trying to get into an Ireland squad and maybe playing a couple of games here and there. Now he obviously would probably think of it as I could break in and play against England against the all blacks, but you know that hasn't really been the case over the last number of years. Like what, what's your read on it?
1: Yeah I just had a quick check there. Like he was in the Ireland squad for the last the last window and didn't get a cap. Didn't get a didn't get a minute. And I just wonder whether that policy that Andy Farrell has put in place and for for the for the with the idea of the team being better and that it's really hard to get into the team has sent a message to some players that maybe the message has been misconstrued by some of the players who are going, oh, I'm not getting to look in here. I'm better off, you know, taking the opportunity. You know, up in the land, I think he spent the first seven years of his life in Paris. So, you know, mm. a bit like Simon Zebo. he has a connection to the country. And the offer is, I've no doubt the offer is very good. I've no doubt that at 28, he has been in the sport. You know, he's from Tralee. He, he, uh, he plays in Galway. He's been there for a long time. Maybe it's time in his mind that he goes for change. He's not going to look in with Ireland. He's gone off. If it is La Rochelle, which I believe it probably is, uh, he's gone off to work with um, Ron O'Gara and Dunneke Ryan. So there's an Irish connection within the club. There's a good chance O'Gara's going to be the next Ireland coach. So uh, Andy Farrell goes in 2023. O'Gara comes in and the land signs for Munster and comes home at the age of 30, 31. (laughs)
0: You've got it all worked out, Rods.
1: I was just thinking about like <laughs> uh, putting the two, Like he's a second row, so he's 28. So, but he's he's not that old in second row terms. They go on longer than most of their positions, and gone over and experience a different culture in a, an elite environment at this point of his career. There's a lot of upside there. He might be giving up a couple of caps, but he didn't get any in November anyway. So he's probably looking at it, going, "You know, my face doesn't fit in this, this, this." The, you know, Farrell was the he missed out in the World Cup, didn't he as well? And um, Farrell yeah. was the assistant coach back then. Sure. You know, he never really... We all thought in 2016 when he was burst onto the scene that he was going to be a superstar, but he's always just struggled to break into that Ian Henderson, James Ryan, Ty burn now. You know, Ryan Baird's come up on the outside and overtaken him. He's been in and around camps for a lot of time, and he's pretty... How many tackle bags has he held for Ireland at this stage? It, 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 like, it does
0: break you down eventually, yeah, like
1: Yeah, so maybe he thinks, I'll go to France, I'll get really good experience, I'll get better, I'll come back bigger, stronger... And my wallet will be a bit thicker. My wallet will be my a better bad. shape, which is which is important. Mm. Uh, you know, he's not in a central contract. and But for Connacht, it's a massive blow. You're right. Like, I mean, that's two Ireland second rows in succession have left to go to France. That's what, you know, Quinn Rue and Ulton Delam was their starting second row pairing when they, everyone was fit, you know, last season. And they're both gone now. And that's, the, that's their engine room ripped apart and they have to build again. And like, given Connick's budget and the fact that they don't have as many players coming through their system as everyone else, they, that makes life even harder for Andy Friend. That's a massive blow to them. And maybe that's why they are yeah, you know, maybe the RFU should be supplemental co- contracts like uh, the lands I don't know. But I can see the logic from his point of view. I think it's a really good move. And I think your I think your point is well made, Will. I mean he could win a Heightening Cup with La Rochelle and still come back and play for Ireland at the age of thirty with great experience under his belt. So you know it's it's uh it's it's a great move for man I for All that you know, I, I think quite it's sad that, that lads are denied the, the chance to play for Ireland when they move abroad because I do love seeing players from Ireland going off and testing themselves in the top 14 and, and in England. And and adding you know, I think it adds a bit of glamour to the game here. It's like I, I love seeing Zebo at Rassing and, and seeing how he got on over there. You know, I think it's kind of sad that we try, you know, it's great that we keep the provinces strong, I completely understand that, but I also have a bit of a you know, I, I like to see guys test themselves in other environments, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how he gets on in, in, in the top 14 next season.
2: Yeah, because it's surprising that, like, obviously, this policy of only picking guys based in Ireland, you know, has been in enforced for a long time, but that, as you mentioned, Rhoda, you know, that so many, these, these big squads that are picked for November say, like, so many guys don't get to play very often, or just hold tackle backs for the majority, like, is that enough of an enticement to keep them in Ireland for their entire careers, like, and not experience some of the biggest clubs in the world, like Kieran Marmion, I know it was kind of between COVID and the Saracen salary cap thing, but he was in line to go to the Saracens. Allah Davies is there nine now. Marmion could have been starting for one of the best club teams in Europe. You know, what an opportunity that would have been. You know, I'm just, I'm just surprised so many players are kind of like indoctrinated almost into staying put when their, their international careers are, are unlikely to be people so are good. generally
0: risk averse, Will, you know, like it is a big risk. You go outside a comfort zone, you, you know, a new language, if you're going to France, um, you know, more games. Yes, you're better paid, but are you better paid per? Are better paid per game? Probably not. Probably similarly paid. Um, you know, you've got the uh, that little bit of uh, insurance at the end of your career. Um, that uh, sorry, in terms of the um uh, tax back um, things like that. Like they're kind of big things to consider, particularly when you're at like the twenty eight, twenty nine, and you're kind of saying, okay, well you have to do a, a quick tot up and say, well, look, if I'm getting paid, you know, whatever it is per year more, well then that makes up the difference between the, the tax back and I can go ahead and do this. And, um, and then the other question you say is, well, look, if I play more games over there, does it short my career? So do I have an, another year or two less of contracts? So actually should I factor that now into the decision about where do you go? When you actually think about it, it probably doesn't work out that much better for you because it might take a year off the end of your career. So that's, that's kind of, I think why people don't do it. Will, um, Personally speaking, um, I would love to have gone away. Obviously, my career was cut fairly short, but I was—I toyed with the idea a few times. It didn't work out with injuries and different things like that. Um, but yeah, I'm always surprised that more people don't go away, particularly when they're quite far away from the squad. Um, the argument's going to be that things—it's only four teams here. You're competing with you know technically four people who are starting regularly if you're in the starting team in any any of the any of the provinces. Um, things can change pretty quickly in terms of the dynamic in the in the international team if you have a couple of good games but I still think the, the historically speaking that's been you know the that a lower probability of that happening I think would be my view on that and I think you're right I, I don't know why more people don't take the chance to go abroad live a different culture learn a new language or just head over to the uk and play with a different team outside your comfort zone so yeah it is it's good to, it's kind of good to see it but I, i'm I'm still very wary that that's a huge blow to connaught who are looking like they're playing pretty, pretty bloody good at the moment.
2: Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see as the year progresses if other guys' heads are turned, and we might, you know, t- turn on the top fourteen of the Premiership next year and see a few more Irish players playing. But for the moment, Luke Rudd, for the last time in twenty twenty, would. Thanks so much for joining me.
0: Thanks, lads. Happy Christmas. Cheers, guys. Happy Christmas. Okay, have a lovely one
2: that's all we have time for this week on the left wing and that's it for us for 2021 thank you so much for listening to us throughout the year we will be back in the new year with another show and in the meantime you could subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, spotify or listen on independent.ie so until next year thanks for listening and goodbye